Dave and Ryan's movie review take two and action. Everyone loves going to the movies. And while some are amazing, some are awful. Fortunately, we have Dave and Ryan, two guys with nothing better to do than watch movies of today and movies of yesterday. So get your popcorn ready, silence your phones, and relax, because the show is about to begin. Cue Dave and Ryan in three, two, one. It's Dave and Ryan's movie review. Sponsored by nobody. Hey, Dave and Ryan back for another week of Dave and Ryan's Movie Review Show. we got a lot to get through today. Uh, so we're going to start off with, uh, of course, we kind of like to run down how, what we're, what we're going to be talking about this week. And first up is our review of Transformers Rise of the Beast. And we, we had differing opinions on this one. But you'll get to hear them here in, in just a little bit. And then another thing that kind of is affecting a lot of movies and really television shows, true too, is the writer strike. So we're going to spend some time talking about that because I don't think a lot of people realize how heavily people rely on writers, do they, Ryan? Oh, not at all. People think that, the, you know producers and directors just magically pull things out of their butt. But no thing, you know, people write it down. And and with the world of AI, you know, it's it's getting a little bit interesting. But we'll talk about that too cuz there is a, a a part of this new contract that they're fighting over for that one as well. And then we're going to wrap things up today with one of those movies that I mean, I I love. I loved it as a kid. I still love this movie. But is it a movie that makes sense nowadays? Okay, and so we're really going to look at this from that angle, and we're talking. We're going to talk about the Goonies. Yes, this is one are. of the. Like I said, I love this movie. When it, I still do. I like. I you know I won't say I love it, but it's still one of my favorite movies. So that is coming up today. Um, that's going to be a fun conversation. I'm really looking forward to the conversation that's going to be had when we get to that one. But before we get there, we got to talk about this week in Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard, the place of glitz, glamour, and dreams. Just kidding. This place is a dump. That's why Dave and Ryan come here each week. You get the news from Hollywood without fearing for your life on the Walk of Fame. It's This Week in Hollywood. All right, first up, Superman Legacy. That is the big James Gunn Superman movie. One of the first big projects that he is taking on now that he is in control of DC, the what they're calling the DC Universe. They're making another Superman movie? Why? They are. And, you know, I've always had a problem with Superman movies, and I'll tell you why and, and what my issue is with Superman movies. Superman doesn't really have a dark side. No, he, he's the Boy Scout. He is always on. So I've always thought that it's really difficult to come up with a good Superman movie that people are going to enjoy. Now, I really, really did enjoy uh, Man of Steel with Henry Cavill. I thought that was a great movie. Did you, though? I did. Did you? I did. And it was all because of Kevin Costner. I'll be totally <laughs> honest. That was, I, I he, love he was, that movie. He wasn't in most of the movie. He died. Well, okay. But <laughs> I anyway, I like that movie. Um, and, and Cavill was a very, very good Superman. I thought he 
was not even. I mean, I would put him up there. I'd put him up against Christopher Reeve. He definitely looked the part, and he played the character how the character should be. But overall, the story was just, in my opinion, garbage. Oh, okay. Well, once again, we'll differ on that one. <laughs> anyway, they are looking at in-person screen tests possibly as soon as Father's Day weekend. Uh, for the role of Clark Kent, Superman, the first name that comes to mind and that they're looking at is Nicholas Holt. Now, he was Hank McCoy in the newer... X-Men movies. A lot of people know him yep. from that. He was in Renfield. Yeah, he was also in Warm Bodies. Yes, he was. So we've got him. We've got a his, a gentleman by the name of David Corensuit, and he was in We Own This City, which was an HBO series, and the movie Pearl that just came out not too long ago. So, And then the last name is Tom Brittany, and he was in the series Outlander. So those are the three that they're looking at for Superman. Uh, as far as Lois Lane, you got to have a leading lady. Uh, Emma Mackey, she was in Death on the Nile, and she's in the new uh, coming up Barbie movie. Oh, nice. So she's in that one. Uh, the one name that people might recognize is Rachel Brosnahan. She is uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on a, on a terrific series on Amazon. She was also in the movie The Finest Hours. And Phoebe Denever was on Bridgerton and did a lot of BBC work. And a lot of these actors that you may not have heard of have done a lot of BBC work. So that's kind of who they're looking at. Uh, Superman Legacy is set to come out July 11th of 2025, so we'll be looking forward to that one. Um, another superhero movie that got a new name, Captain America 4, went to, to market as uh, New World Order. They have changed that one, and it's going to be now called Captain America Brave New World. This will be set to come out May 3rd of next year. Uh, Harrison Ford makes his debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as General Thunderbolt Ross, the role that was previously played by William Hurt. So we'll kind of see how that one goes about. I'm actually looking forward to that one. I love that. I love that whole series. I love the Captain America series. And then, you know, we need one of these about as much as we need another Fast and Furious movies. However... <laughs> We're getting another Expendables movie. Expendables 4. Uh, the, the same cast of characters is back. What do we got? Statham, Stallone. Um, who else is in there that was in other ones? Uh, Dolph Lundgren's in there. Dolph Lundgren. Uh, they're going to add 50 Cent, Megan Fox, and Andy Garcia to the mix on this one. And we were talking right before we came on air. This is one of those movies that when we were growing up just couldn't be made because they just could not put contracts aside. Oh, yeah. This would be like an all-star movie. Either that or, you know, the budgets have just gotten so bloated now that it's like, okay, we can do this now. I mean, because let's talk about some of the, the rundown of some of the people that have been in Expendables movies. As we said, you've got Statham, Stallone, uh, Lundgren, uh, Harrison Ford was in one. Yeah. Arnold was in one. Bruce Willis, yeah. Chuck Jet, Norris. Jet Li was in one. I was going to say Jet Li. I mean, the list goes on and on of action stars. So once again, we're getting a new one. Expendables 4 hits theaters September 22nd. The trailer is out there now if you want to watch it. So that's your wrap-up of This Week in Hollywood. We're going to head out of here for just a minute. We're going to come back, and we'll be talking about Transformers. But before we go, here it is from a dark room, the man with the voice, another Honest Movie Review. It's time once again for another Honest Movie Review. Today we go back to 2008, when a book of fantasy romance was turned into a movie called Twilight. 
You're impossibly fast and strong. You know what you are. Your skin is pale white and ice cold. You don't go out into the sunlight. Say it out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? No. I've had mosquito bites that were more passionate than this undead piece of crap riff on Romeo and Juliet. I can't wait to speak with you again next week. Everyone on set, shut up. Shut up. These two buffoons are about to talk about a new release. Dave and Ryan's movie review segment one. Action. What's more exciting than a brand new release to the movie theater? According to Dave and Ryan, nothing. They're the first to see it, so you're the first to hear about it. And this week's latest release is Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Set in 1994, Brooklyn, Noe, and Elena are swept up in a three-way conflict between the Maximals, Predacons, and Terracons as they aid Optimus Prime and the Autobots in a war to protect Earth from Unicron's arrival. Let's see what Dave and Ryan think about Transformers Rise of the Beasts, now playing nationwide. Now, Ryan and I went and saw this movie on Thursday. And he liked it more than I did. That doesn't mean that I didn't like it. It just he liked it more than I did. We're going to get into uh, talking about some of the differences that we have with the movie and, and those kinds of things. But here's the deal with this movie. I, I didn't hate it. Okay. So that's a that's good, good sign. That's good. That's a good sign. Um, it's the same story that we've heard before with a little bit of a twist. Uh, the story kind of centers around Noah Diaz, played by Anthony Ramos, who, uh, if you've seen Hamilton, you, you know who Anthony Ramos is. And, of course, you've got the great voice acting talents of Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime that just has that voice that I know people that pay money at Comic-Cons to just go and have them read his, you know, have Peter Cullen do their outgoing message on their cell phone. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, he's just got that voice. So uh, it all centers around what they call the engine, right? Yes. And they've got to find this engine because if they find it, they believe it will take them home. That they being the Autobots. That's right. Um, we are introduced to some new characters in this movie. Um, Mirage that is played by Pete Davidson. I think he kind of stole the movie. I did too. He, his character was just amazing. I know uh, the Transformers movies usually has Bumblebee as kind of the connection to the human world. But in this one, it was Mirage and... For a movie set in the 90s, he nailed it. That's true. It does. It takes place in, what was it, 1994. 1994. So and as we made mention to in our other review, if you like 90s hip hop, you're going to like this movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I found it rather funny that one of the lines in the movie, he's talking to Anthony Ramos, uh, uh, Mirage is talking to him, and he makes reference to Marky Mark leaving the Funky Bunch yes. and becoming an actor. <laughs> And Marky Mark was in, I believe, was it the last Transformer movie? 
I uh, the one before that the last one was Bumblebee. So okay, it would have yeah. been the last. So yeah, but he was in a Transformers movie. So I mean that was that was kind of funny. I, I like those kind of references. <laughs> Good callback. Uh, that's true. So they find the they find it and they have to go around the world to save the planet. Of, of course. course, that's the great thing. But along the way, they meet the Maximals, who are led by Optimus Primal and the voice of Optimus Primal. If you're going to have to have a voice go up against. Um, Peter Cullen, it's got to be Ron Perlman. Oh, you got to have that rugged, low, thick voice. So we've got him in it. Uh, if if you are a fan of Ted Lasso on Apple, uh, Danny Ramos is the is the character Wheeljack. Uh, Cristo Fernandez is the voice of the character Wheeljack. And also, if you are a fan of the TV series Fear the Walking Dead, Coleman Domingo is the voice of Unicron, which is probably one of the most devastating villains that they've gone up against. Oh, yeah. Anyone who's watched the old 80s cartoon movie knows who Unicron is. He's the big bad guy. He's He basically destroys worlds. He eats them. He's a devourer of planets. Uh, another great one is uh, his right-hand man is Scourge, and the voice of Scourge is Peter Dinklage in this one. Yeah, any fans of... Um Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yes, I, you'll recognize brain him. Brain fart there. Sorry, but yeah. And the other ones, you know, you'll hear voice uh, uh, Michelle Yeoh. As I said, uh, Pete Davidson's in this one. Lots of great things go on in this movie. But for me, yes, we were introduced to uh, the Maximals and the Terracons. Is that correct? Yes. It was still at the core, the same Transformers story that we've seen. Yeah, you know, oh, Autobots befriend a human, save the world. Hey, if it's not broken, don't fix it. I, I guess that's what you take from this. Um, because, you know, and you made a reference to this, too. It's a great standalone yeah. movie. You don't need to see any of the other ones. You know the characters. It does en enough to develop their characters and tell you the story uh, as you're watching this one. But uh, there's just so many things that I feel like we've kind of seen before in this movie that were just maybe notched up a little bit. Oh, definitely. You know, you know, if you have an old story that people are used to, you got to you got to kick it up a little not in certain spots. And I don't think the action in this movie lulled in any part. Um, as soon as it started, it just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And even on the the kind of low parts, you know, they the you know, like you said, Pete Davidson's character, uh, he made it funny. He did, and that and that drove the the movie along as well. But I, I yeah, I would have to hand it to you. Some of the action sequences in this were kind of amazing um when they're i don't want to get too much into it but when they're they're driving on the road in south america that action sequence was great oh yeah and they're tumbling down the hill and of course the the battle sequence at the end because they're always that way and mm -hmm. a lot of stuff goes on and i i really enjoyed the movie i just don't think i enjoyed it as much as you did and and like i said it was for the reasons that i felt like it was a, just a rehash of a lot. You know, we have a kid that's down on his luck and he meets an Autobot and it changes his life. Well, if you want to talk about the story being old, that could be this story is basically like oh, a lot of other movies. Star Wars, for instance. Oh, a kid, he meets someone and then they go and save planets. Same story. This one just has robots. That one, ha Star Wars has robots too, but 
in a different way. I, I guess. I guess you're right in that aspect. Um, so what were some of the things for you that, that put it over the top? Uh, so for me, the CGI is always amazing on uh, the Transformers. The little, you know, when they transform, you see the individual little things uh, moving inside their body. And then with this one, um, the main uh, uh, villain, a Scourge, he collect trophies off of uh, Transformers that he killed. They're little uh, symbols. He had ones from multiple different um, versions of uh the Autobots, basically. He takes it as a trophy, and he welds it on like it's uh, like a pride. Like a, yeah, know, like, like a badge. Like a badge of courage. Yeah, badge courage. And that was interesting to see, because you've never really seen that before in a, a Transformers movie. So that was for me, that was I, one of the highlights of it. And they also make Scourge and his minions that are in this movie out to be like the most powerful villains that they have ever come across. Oh, yeah. They were, you know, um, I think in the movie they called it dark energy. Yes. Uh, Usually Autobots have the... All spark. The all spark and energon. So this, I guess this was like a dark version of that. So that made them a little more powerful. And a little bit more invincible, they say. So I liked it, though. Like I said, I, I didn't hate the movie. I just didn't like the fact that it just seemed like all the other Transformers movies. Now, this one takes place... Bumblebee took place in the 80s. Yep. And so this one takes place in the 90s. Yep, 94. <clears throat> and then the first one that we all remember with Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox, that was right around the early 2000s is where that one took place. Yeah. Now, will we get another one kind of shoehorned into 94 in this one? I think so. They uh, At the end of the movie, make sure you stay because there's two little credit scenes. Um, and in the first one, it sets up for a possible sequel. Um, I won't give that away because go see it. I, I I think we covered it the best yes. in, in the other review when we said there is something that takes place in that scene that if you are a true Transformers fan from the beginning, you've been waiting for for a minute. Exactly. And knowing is half the battle. That's right. And it's not a it's not a crossover with Fast and Furious. No, which was <laughs> you were actually hoping for. Uh, you never can tell. You never can tell. So once again, great movie. Get on out there and see this one. I gave it three and a half popcorn buckets. And I gave it four. And it's really, it is another one of those fun summer movies, though. It really is. Once the action gets going, it doesn't stop. Yeah. If you just want to get away for a few hours, just go watch something entertaining and not worry about the mortgage or the kids take the kids with you to this movie you'll yeah, enjoy just as much I, as they i don't do. think there was really anything in this movie that kids wouldn't be okay with no there there was there was one line <laughs> that uh is in there which <laughs> when they were said we both kind of looked at each other and just started laughing yes <laughs> yes because yeah there, there's a little bit of adult content okay yeah but I, I don't think that it's one of these things that's going to stick with or bother the kids. The kids are going to love this one. The kids aren't even going to understand it. Yeah, definitely. Get out, have some fun, and enjoy this one. Uh, once again, it is Transformers Rise of the Beast. Clocked it about two hours, right? Yeah, r- roughly around there. Roughly right around two hours. PG-13. It's playing at the Price Theater. And then if, if Transformers is not your game, head on over to the King Cole Theater because you can watch... Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We talked about that one. Great movie. Yeah. Very good movie. Uh, the Little Mermaid is still at the King Cole Theater. Also a great movie. And The Boogeyman. 
questionable. That Ryan just will not go see because nope. he's, he's a scared of the dark. Exactly. He's nope. a scared of the dark. He's a big Don't baby. Don't hate on me, Dave. Don't hate. <laughs> he's a big baby. But as far as we're concerned, Transformers Rise of the Beast great film get on out and enjoy that one all right we're going to step aside for just a moment we'll be right back and we're going to talk about the writer strike and what this is kind of doing to hollywood right now because it's kind of making it a mess and we haven't really seen the full extent of what it's doing yet Q dave and ryan in three two one it's dave and ryan's movie review now we're going to talk about something that maybe not a lot of people know about or appreciate, maybe. Yeah, put it that way. Most people's been affected by it, and they probably don't even know it. They probably don't even realize it, and that is the writer strike. It's probably affected more TV than it has movies right now. Yeah. Um, I believe Saturday Night Live has been sh- shelved for the yep. season. Um, your late night talk shows are running reruns right now because of it. Yeah. And we've had movies that have fallen under the knife that have either been postponed or, you know, kind of just completely put off entirely. The ones that are the big ones that have been postponed, um, the Blade movie, the new one from Marvel that I've been waiting for, that it just seems to be plagued is one of these movies that has been pushed. Uh, I I really look forward to that movie because I want to see what Mahershala Ali brings to the, the table as far as Blade is concerned. Um, another one that's been put on pause is Spider-Man 4. Uh, there's a movie out there that's called Unstoppable, which was to be Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's production company, their next movie after the movie Air. Um, the Batman 2 has been completely pushed. It won't even begin filming until next year now. And uh, the Thunderbolts movie from Marvel, which is their answer to the Suicide Squad, basically, yeah. is what you were saying. So I, the thing about it is writers are very, very important, aren't they? Yes, yes, they are. So like a lot of people don't know, you know, this, right, there are people are wondering, well, what is the writer strike? It's basically the Writers Guild of America going up against the uh, Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers. And it's, it's, it's really money going after money is what it boils down to. And, and we'll talk about some of the money here. In just a bit. The main reason, of course, and I think it's the main reason with any strike, it's all over compensation. It is. It's also about job security as well. You know, in this age of technology, AI plays a major part in uh, basically our day-to-day lives. AI could write a whole movie. It can. It might not make sense, but yeah, they can write a whole movie. Um, And I know another thing that that their sticking point on this is the writers are having issue with with streamers like Netflix and Amazon Prime and those kind of things and how they changed the business model with these bingeable shows that they have they put out and then they don't really have to be renewed as often and you brought up a good point when we were talking about this COVID changed that as well. Yeah. Um, when everything went to streaming, uh, this is a problem they've never really had before. Uh, streaming services is the ones where it's uh, like movies are coming out and TV shows. Before, they could you know gauge how much money each show or movie was making because of ticket sales. When ev- everything went to streaming, there wasn't really 
a sound way of doing that. And so um, with the Writers Guild, um, they wanted to make sure they included that in the next time that they negotiate, which uh, they negotiate every three years with the the Writers Guild does. And that's to make sure that their uh, wages are accurate to living conditions and also job security. Like you said, AI now can write a whole movie, which they actually, uh, this last Sunday, I believe they came out and said that um, they agreed on that AI is not a person. So it cannot take a gilded members job. Well, and that's a, that's a win. That's a that win right a win. there. But uh, when you're talking about changing and, and job security and those kinds of things, when writers used to go on and be part of a series on television, they could have a job for years. Oh, yeah. You look at years. some of the uh, talk show hosts, like you mentioned. Conan O'Brien worked for Saturday Night Live for many years, and there he got his shot to be a host. And, and so you have that, and now when you go and you look at the, the Netflix or the streamer's business model, some of these writers are working like four weeks, and then they've got to go look for another job. Oh, yeah. Everyone loves the binge movies online now. Days. That's just how we watch TV shows now is, you know, there are still a few uh, websites like Disney, which has one episode a week, but like Netflix, everything's there. You can watch the whole series in a 24 hour period if you wanted to. And, and that's what most people do. And that's where uh, part of the problem is coming in. The other issue that they're having is in the writer's room, because what they've started doing now is what they call mini rooms. And you would get the showrunner together with like two or three other writers and they would kind of just hammer out a, a timeline of what they wanted the show to be that season. Yeah. And then they were done with the writers. Yeah, they just come up with a story arc and then basically AI would help fill in everything to be- keep in mind that story arc that they want to develop. So in a mini room, a writer could have a job for a week. Yeah. And be out looking for another gig the next week. So they wouldn't even go and stick around to write the series. As you said, AI would do it, and then they'd probably just have somebody that would fill in the gaps. Yeah. They, you know, with AI, like I said earlier, you know, AI can tell a story, but it doesn't always make sense. Right. The other thing that they're uh, fighting for is they want higher residuals because the, uh, there was an article that I was reading the lady was saying, and I can't even remember what she wrote for, but she was getting residual checks for like a penny. Two cents. And and what are residuals? Kind of let everybody know that. So residuals, um, so like in the movie, um, it's kind of like past shows. Like with music, you get musical royalties. Uh, Every time your song's played on the radio or if someone downloads it, you get a percentage of that. With the residuals, it's just like that, but for movies and television. You get a little tiny chunk of uh, what is sold, but with streaming services, like I said, how do you measure that? How much money did it make? How many people viewed it? Do you count it that way? Or how, how do you do it? They don't know. You know, are you basing it on, on a percentage of what your membership fees re- you, that you collect are? How, how are you coming about that number? And that's, that's very true because you don't know. It's just one of those numbers that's thrown out there. I, I think the other thing that's kind of lost here also is the fact that, um, you know, the Writers Guild is a guild but at the core of it, it's it's a union, and everything in Hollywood really revolves around unions, doesn't it? We were talking about yeah. a, a scenario, and it's very true today. Yeah, so honestly, the next um, union or guild to probably go on strike would probably be the Director's Guild. And they would probably do that just to kind of maybe show support? 
Is that kind of where they're heading with that one? Uh, or? Yes, yes and no. Um, so the way a movie is made or a TV show is the producers, they have an executive producer. He's the guy with all the money. And then he has um, producers under him. And those producers have were on different departments. Um, so one of those minor producers would hire a director. And then he would work with the director to get what the director want to make the movie. And another producer could be in charge of helping get film locations or permits to shoot in certain areas. And so it's basically not necessarily like a pyramid, but it's kind of like that in film production wise, um, where, you know, you always got to uh, talk to with the man at the top of the pyramid to see, you know, what you're going to pay. And the guys at the top always get paid more than the guys at the bottom. Well, that's that's the way they make movies, right? Yeah, it is. That's how it works. But when we were talking about unions, um, you have, when you are in a union, and in, in, in Hollywood, wherever you're in a union at, you have specific jobs. You get paid to do one job and one job only. If you're paid to move things from one warehouse to another warehouse, and there's a truck parked blocking the door that you need to get through you cannot just jump in that truck and back it up you could get fired and fined and the person who was driving that truck can get fired as well so it's it's a really fine line when you start looking into these things uh, of course we we talked one of the things that we talked about was ai and they've kind of taken that off the table now but it's all about pay structures and uh you know preservation of the writer's room and then minimum pay for streaming. And I think one of the big things that they're looking for, too, is, hey, if we're going to go and take this job, we need to be guaranteed to work for X amount of days. We need to have that kind of guarantee and that kind of, you know, in, a, in the back of our minds. I, I guess you could call it, you know, peace, uh, peace of your mind or peace of mind to the fact that I'm going to be in this gig for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have that right now. That's one of the biggest problems. Yeah, like uh, with st- like streaming, you know, you're paid this small amount of money to help produce this uh, TV show. And you don't know if it's going to be successful or not. If it is successful, then the producers get more money because more people are streaming it or viewing it. And then plus they make merchandise that you can buy. The writers still have this little tiny, you know, like you said, they're making pennies. They really are. And speaking of TV shows, one of the biggest ones that has been put on hold is is over at Netflix, and everybody's waiting for it because it's wrapping up. Is Stranger Things has been put on hold now? Yes, yes we it has. we don't have we don't have a, a resolution to that story yet, and and that's what's holding this whole thing up. You and know, the kids are just getting older. They are, and that's the <laughs> other thing they got to look at too. Um, the the funny thing about this that I found comical was the fact that. Um, the writers are asking for is equal to about $429 million. Which Sounds is, like a lot, but let's spread nothing, that across movie nothing. studios. They, they throw out millions of dollars to make movies. And we're talking Universal, Warner Brothers, Disney, and then all your streaming services. That's what they're asking. Yeah, I, I believe... Uh, the Fast and the Furious last one that we reviewed, the budget was $250 million. Yes. They couldn't have thrown a little extra money at the writers? What's one million more bucks? Exactly. You're dealing with 255 or 250 yeah. And the funny thing about it was uh, the studios have kind of countered with, well, we got $86 million. No, you're going to have to do better than that. Yeah, well, 
the, the you know the uh, alliance of motion pictures they're basically trying to divide and conquer technique you know they're talking to one group and not talking to the other and trying to get rid of the one of the groups that's true the writers are trying to get rid of the writers and the other thing about this whole thing is you know the movie industry is not they're still kind of limping along right now. They still haven't made that comeback that everybody's waiting for. So they better get this figured out. You said the last one was in... Well, in 2007 was the last rider strike, which lasted 100 days. So, you know, 100 days, that's a little over three months. And this one started the 1st of May. We're into the first month already. So we're 30 days down. Hopefully they can get some sort of a resolution so those kids from Hawkins can quit growing up <laughs> and decide what they're going to do in the upside down. That's yeah. the most important thing, right? Exactly. <laughs> so that was a fun segment. I, I like talking about things like that because I don't think people realize these things. No, no, not at all. You know, people think, oh, well, they're just being greedy. But no, there's they want a job. They want to work just like you do and just like I do. It's true. Taken for granted a little bit. Yep. Just a little. All right. Coming up, we're going to, this discussion needs to be had. And I've been looking forward to having this discussion because I'm pretty sure Ryan and I are on opposite sides of the fence when it comes to this. Uh, the movie The Goonies. Do you love it or is it just kind of dated and it needs to go away? All right, imbeciles. Everyone quiet down. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment three, and action. It's time to get down to business and talk about this movie because I love this movie. It is a piece of my childhood that I do not want to let go. And Ryan, I'm afraid, is going to rip this movie to shreds. But that's okay. <laughs> that's why we're here. Of course, we're talking about The Goonies. Came out this week in 1985. So it's 38 years old. Um, at that time, it may have made pretty good money, but by today's standards, it didn't really do all that well. It had no. a $19 million budget. It made $63 million. That's not really a stellar movie. For an 80s movie, it wasn't that bad. It did do bad at the box office, but like you said, there's a cult following. It has lived on. <laughs> uh, it has a 76% uh, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 91% audience score, so it's certified fresh on both sides of the, the equation there. And, of course, let's run down the cast. It's really kind of a who's who of today. Uh, Sean Astin, who has gone on to be in the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, Josh Brolin, Thanos, from yeah. the Avengers movies. Cable. Cable. Cable from the Deadpool movie. Uh, Jeff Cohen, who we're going to talk about him in his own right, has become a pretty successful entertainment lawyer. Yeah. Um, then we had Corey Feldman, Carrie Green, Martha Plimpton, and you can't leave out Ki-Hei Kwan, this year's Oscar yeah. winner. All right. That was exciting. It was, it was, it was exciting for him, and, and we'll talk about that here in, in just a little bit. I think the thing that we need to start with when we talk about this movie is this is a movie that you really have to suspend a lot of disbelief. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right from the get-go. <laughs> Just throw logic and common sense right out the door. We're going for a ride with the Goonies. That's right. So let's let's start 
let's start from the beginning, all right? Because I know you have problems all the way through the movie. So let's start with the beginning. What are your What are your issues with the very first part of this movie? Okay, well, first of all, this is supposed to be a kid's movie. And with the very first scene is a guy hanging himself. Great, great way to start a kid's movie. Oh, wait, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> it's only been, what, 38 years? If you haven't seen it now, don't see it. What, what is the, you know, statute of limitations on spoiler alerts? <laughs> yeah, but even, even before that scene, there's only one guard to let an entire cell block out to go to lunch. And the, the prisoners are wearing regular street. There's a guy wearing sunglasses in jail. In jail, guy wearing sunglasses. They take, anyone who's been to jail knows, they take everything away from you. And then he walks in alone into the prison block. And he wa- sees the, the guy standing there hanging himself, who's clearly standing on the bars. Hanging himself with telephone wire. Where did he get the telephone wire? This is jail. Anyways, and then he grabs the note and starts reading it, and the note basically says, hey, idiot, I'm not dead. And the guy looks up, and he hits him, and one hit knocks the guard out. Okay, kid's movie, believable. And then we go outside to his brother pouring gasoline around the jail. And nobody notices. Nobody (laughs) noticed the guy pouring gasoline around the front entrance. And then he gets in the car. The guy comes walking out, putting on his jacket. Apparently, no one saw him walking through the police station. (laughs) Just walked straight to the door, found his jacket on the way out. (laughs) And then... The car chase through town oh, with oh, gunfire. Oh, we're not even. Oh, we're, we're not, not done. With sorry, that sorry, scene, sorry. Yeah. I was just trying to move it forward. I, he jumps in the car and he starts to fire with a gunshot. But speaking of the car chase, they're having a shootout in the middle of towns. Not the bad guys. They're not shooting. It's the cops shooting at the bad guy as they drive through town. And the other thing, I actually read somebody's review of this movie and talked about how uh, the wh- where they go onto the beach just turns into a commercial for Jeep. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> there's this race for, you know, Jeep buggies or whatever, and they just fly past everyone because they put their Jeep in four-wheel drive, <laughs> and they just smoke everybody. Okay, and... Oh, yeah. So people who've built machines to actually drive on the beach like that get smoked by just a stolen Jeep, I'm assuming, since they're bad guys. Has to be. Yeah. Has to be. So here, here's the thing. and we've, We kind of came up with a list of things. That's just the first, what, 10 minutes? If Five that. minutes? <laughs> we kind of came up with a list of things that while we're talking about this movie... We want you to kind of think about, okay, because it's very, there's no way that kids today could relate to this movie. Oh, not at all. No cell phones. Get out of my house. Be gone all day. Just kids being outside is not believable. Being outdoors. That was, yeah, that was (laughs) another one. Um, There's no helicopter parents. Yeah. They're gone all day and all night. Yeah. But I I think the fact, like I said, no cell phones, nobody cares that they were gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, until the very end of the movie when it's all revealed, but... Yeah, let's not forget the attempted murder. Well, it was just one. There was a dead guy in it, too. Well, there was two, actually, <laughs> yeah. if you want to count. Uh, Three, if you want to count Chester Copperpot or Cobblepot. 
Yeah, well, he was just bones at that point. That's true. And they just looted him like nothing. That's right. Oh, hey, a baseball card. Hey, that's, hey, look. That's probably one this of my, will come in handy later. probably one of my favorite little parts in that movie when when Robert Davi looks at Anne Ramsey and says, the kids must have cleaned him out. And she goes, sure, right after they ate him. Yes. <laughs> but that's how I know it's a good movie, because uh, you could remember uh-huh. things like that. But, you know, I I love this movie. I really do. It's I think it's a part of my childhood that uh, you know we can't forget and that just sticks with me. But I know you've got more things you want to talk about, so let's let's get into this. Okay, well, first of all, I'm not against the movie. I When it came out and I went and watched it, I thought it was amazing. But now that I've grown up and common sense is hopefully, I, I'm hoping it's, you know, here with me. Those are, you know, these are the things that you notice going back and watching things. But, you know, another thing was, uh, when Corey Feldman's character arrived at the house, he just knocked on the door. They went and answered the door, came inside. A few minutes later, Chunk is at the front gate, and he has to do the truffle shuffle so they can activate this machine. Which apparently Chunk came up with on the fly. Yeah, to open the gate. Which brings up the point that we wanted to talk about. It's the fact that I did not care for the way that Mouth treated Chunk in that scene. Oh, no. He, he was mean throughout the whole movie, for, just for no reason. Yeah, he was kind of a terrible kid. And, and, and what did you say? It was kind of funny. It was, oh, yeah. He was supposed to be this arrogant, cool kid who he just... Throughout the whole movie, he just, like you said, was just annoying. Yeah, he was just annoying through the movie, through the whole thing. So, okay, so we got him in the house. Uh, Data comes in. I love Data in this movie. I, I really, really did. <laughs> All his little inventions. Yeah, yeah, double O negative. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to that in a, it later. All right, so let's keep going, though. This is fun. Okay, and so the next scene in the movie is uh, they go to the attic, which apparently they've never been in the attic in their own home. They just go up there. Oh, wow. What's all this cool stuff we have up here? Where did it come from? I don't know. I've never been up here before. You've never been to a certain part of your house. Are you kidding me? You would think As they- a little kid, you explore and run, especially in the 80s. You just went and ran and I found would, cool things. I would think the attic would be the first place. You'd yeah, try. that'd be like a clubhouse or something. Now, in, in, in his defense, Mikey did know what some of it was. Yeah. Not all of it. He knew it belonged to the museum. Yeah, and luckily, you know, the, all the pirate and treasure map stuff was already there, just laid out for them, and Mouth knew Spanish and could read it from, like, 10 feet away. Mouth plays a lot with the, the housekeeper, too. I think you, you skipped over that. That was yeah. a broad stroke. That was fun. Yeah, but so a, that just reinforced what kind of a kid he is. Yeah, so a, a non-Spanish-speaking woman hires a Spanish-speaking maid. How did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. And, and she's having Mouth translate. Well, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> let's be honest. The whole scene, the whole reasoning behind her hiring a housekeeper... Well, she just, wanted the house to look good when they tore it down. Yeah, yeah. You, you hired a housekeeper like two days before the house is getting torn down. What do you got next? What's got next? Yeah, and then the attempted murder scene. So Josh Brolin's character steals a little girl's bike, and he's riding it down the road, and then um, his friends, I guess we would the call The girls them, were probably his friends. The girls, and then the guy who was... I guess one of the bad guys. Yeah, he just grabs on the Josh's hand and just starts gunning it. And so they're probably going. 40, the speedometer shows forty miles yeah, an hour. Forty miles an hour, and then he just lets go and he goes flying off this cliff. 
And everyone's just cool with it. You can do that when you have money in the 80s, man. Oh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> and then uh, the kids find the where the bad guys ended up. And then Josh Brolin's character just suddenly shows up. Knew right where they were going. Yeah. He, he always got a little dirt on him. No broken bones or anything. Who knows what happened to the bike? And then a few minutes later, the girls show up. Where did they come from? They were in the car, speeding away from a murder scene. You are, you're putting things in a different light for me. I want to tell you that. Yeah, I know. So, okay, so let's, let's get to a few more because we're running out of time here. Let's get to a few more, probably one or two more that really boil your blood. Okay, uh, another one is after Chunk gets uh, captured, they don't kill him. They killed the guy in the freezer. I'm sure they've killed other people, but, you know, they they were going to put his hand in the blender, but luckily the bats came out and saved his hand, so they don't need Chunk anymore. They know where the kids went, so they're just going to tie him up and leave him so he can get free and go warn the police? No, they would have killed Chunk. (laughs) Chunk wouldn't have made it. No. Wouldn't have made it through the first act. Not at all. (laughs) And then jumping ahead to the end scene, the price of the gems. You don't know how much how much they are or how much they're worth. Or if they're real. Yeah, and he just tears up the contract. Problem solved, happy ending. What if they were worth only like 40 bucks each? You're out of luck. Yeah. You're going to sign that contract whether you want yeah, to or and not. Everyone just shows up on the beach together, the, the maid, the Kid, only one of the ki- two of the kids' parents. Uh, no, Data's mom and dad were there. Yeah, um, and Mikey and Brand's mom and dad were there. I think uh, Carrie Russell. I think her mom and dad were there. I don't know about uh, Chunk. I think Chunk was because his mom Ch- brought yep, him a pizza. Yep, yep. But I don't think Mouth's parents were there. I don't think. Well, that shows you what they thought of him. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so the parents and them show up, and then the guy, the bad guy, and the bad son show up to tell, deliver them more eviction notices, even though they already did it the day before. Yeah, they're just not good people. They're just not good people. It's not just. A, it's not a good movie. It's, it is a good movie, and like I said, it I used to be the, the thing we need to look at here, and and I want you to guys. If you're listening at home, I want you to think this. I'm okay? getting a lot of hate for this. Do we like this because of the nostalgia point, or is it really because the movie just kind of transcends? It, it just, it's just a great story, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I, I promised that we were going to talk about uh, Chunk, about Jeff Cohen. If you watched the Oscars when Kihei Kwan won his Oscar, Jeff Cohen is his entertainment lawyer. Chunk <laughs> is his lawyer. And he has a very, very reputable law firm in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. So it is actually kind of cool because if you go on his website, his email address is right there. (laughs) (laughs) You can have a lot of fun with that one. You're going to get people in trouble, Dave. (laughs) I'm not. They're going to get themselves (laughs) in trouble. That's going to do it for this week. Next week, we're going to talk about a movie that I have been waiting for, but Ryan has not. And it's all stemming around Michael Keaton. I have been waiting for this movie for a minute and a half. The Flash. We'll review that one. We'll also get some time and talk about Elemental. This one looks really good. It is a Disney movie, a Disney Pixar. I believe we saw the previews for that one when we went and saw um, Super Mario. Yeah. And just really looked forward to seeing this movie. Looks like a really good movie. Looks really good. So, of course, we'll have, you know, This Week in Hollywood once again. Our, our quick movie reviews. Just hang out, and, and we'll talk to you again next week, okay? So get out and see some movies. We also need to talk about the big Indiana Jones Marathon coming up on June 30th. going to be at the Price Theater. We're going to be there all day. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have Indiana Jones there. Yes. We will have some artifacts. 
I'll be we there. We will have, uh, you know what, great movies, all five of them, $10 reserved seats for all five movies. Now, if you're a diva and you'll feel a little VIP is deserved, that's going to cost you $30. You will still get all five movies. You're going to get a popcorn tub. You're going to get a t-shirt. And you're going to get lunch from Rubens. Ooh, love Rubens. Right? So head on down now at uh, the Castle Country Radio Station here in Carbonville. Get your tickets today. These are going to go fast. I'm looking really forward to, to being uh, there that day and hanging out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, really, from what we've heard, this is going to be our farewell to Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, is what I'm hearing. So yeah. with that being said... Go out to the movies. Enjoy what is out there. Lots of great fun to be had. And we'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Ah, the hell with it. Send it in. We're done. See you next week.